1: It's time for school,
0: Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. So I shouldn't buy that leather vest and wrist stud combination for my son's birthday? No, you really should. I should. And Chad P. Oh, what happened? I just blacked out. Class is in. Rock School Radio Show, once again, on the air on the Rock School Radio Network. My name is Joe Burns. We are broadcasting from the campus of Southeastern Louisiana University, and we have passed the halfway point of our lecture series. Once again, we will introduce ourselves uh, to my immediate
2: right. Who are we speaking to? Bill Robison from the Department of History and Political Science.
0: Now, on uh, on the other side of the table, we have Chad Pierce. Hello. And you informed me that you have because of the, uh, again, alphabet soup of letters following people's names, that you've actually learned something from sitting next to a plasma physicist. I
1: am growing smarter by the day. You you want to hear something I thought up just this morning? Sure. What have you learned? Check this out. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Recent research has shown the empirical evidence for globalization of corporate innovation is very limited, and as a corollary, the market for technologies is shrinking. As a world leader, it is important for America to provide systematic research grants for our scientists. I strongly believe that there will always be a need for us to have a well-articulated innovation policy with emphasis on human resources development. Thank you. Wow, Chad, you nailed it. Oh, what happened? I just blacked out. (laughs) Are you running for
0: office, Chad? Oh, hi. I think he just quoted old school. Was that Will Ferrell? Yes. Yeah, very nice. And and to the left, you are? I'm Dan McCarthy. Wow, our plasma physicist once again. again. Still
1: here. You uh, you notice
0: that every time you say that, he rolls his eyes. And and every email that rolls around now has plasma physicist in quotations after his name. I'm all the
2: way across the table, and I feel smarter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We are in number three. Could you did you hear his eyes roll out yeah. there ladies and gentlemen <laughs> this is radio and you can hear Clearly his he eyes on roll science. Yeah good stuff Oh dear yeah We have today a show on religion now Religion has the ability to offend. It's not what we're shooting for today. We're going to play songs that promote, songs that question, songs that are skeptical. However, we are here just to promote the music that talks about it. Take it any way you wish. Yes? No? Absolutely. We, we are not here to offend, but we want to talk about it. And,
1: and it's 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 quite interesting, too, because whenever we kind of t- told people we pitched this show, yeah, we're going to do one on religion, a couple people, <gasps> oh, oh, you know, you, you can't sure even you do the that? word without people kind of just getting defensive or whatever. Oh, you guys don't want to touch that. Again, we're not proselytizing any type of belief or anything. Proselytizing? I'm telling you. There he's sitting right here. I'm smart. <laughs>
3: yeah. Wow. I'd say religion's a natural one, not so much uh, because, um, as is with all the subject, they've inspired brilliant music. And sure. And that goes back to, I mean, Bach was the church organist, and... A lot of the things he wrote were basically songs based upon his face, So it's inspired a lot of great art, including music, even in rock and roll. It's inspired some bad things, too. But uh, I think we're just celebrating some of the great things it has inspired here.
0: I agree. Roll. Here, here. And when I think Bach, I immediately mm. go to 1972 and the Doobie Brothers. Well, what are course. we playing from the Doobie the, Brothers? There's the, the 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 an the the obvious Brothers transition
2: there. <laughs> wow. What are we doing from the well, Doobies? They, they both wrote for stringed instruments. Right. Uh, we're doing uh, Jesus is Just All Right, which uh, is actually originally a gospel song written in 1966 by a guy named Art Reynolds for his gospel group, the Art Reynolds Singers. been covered any number of times, um, most famously by the Doobie Brothers on their album Toulouse Street. But it was also done by the Birds uh, who did a fair amount of uh, religiously inspired music like turn turn turn, 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 turn for example. Sure. And, and much more recently by Robert Randolph uh, uh, with, with Eric Clapton. Uh, Both of whom are uh, professed Christians did a version of it in 2006, which is just a killer.
0: Now, the question is, and I've had this discussion with other disc jockeys is the word just to mean he is fair or just all right, he's okay? I've had that discussion with people. What does the title mean?
2: I I, I think originally, you you know, and you got to consider this is written by a guy in a gospel group. Uh, It goes back to the expression that was popular in the 60s, he's just all right, which meant he's really all right. So that's really Uh, what it means. It's it's an
3: emphasis. It's like bad being good. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Don't bring Michael Jackson. Or or it could could be a
1: matter of that they just needed an extra word. Could be. To make it fit. Uh, Could be. You could be looking really deep into this and they say, we needed five words. Yeah, don't do
0: that. (laughs) It's a doobies right here as we talk religion on Rock School. This is Rock School, and this isn't going to sound good, but coming out of the doobies as we talk about religion, uh, this is the Rock School Radio Show. Let's move into Frank Zappa. Now, we were going to play, or at least talked about playing, Jesus Thinks You're a Jerk and decided against it. Was it because uh, it might offend people, or was it because, as Dan suggested during the song, it just had too long of a guitar solo? Why did we decide against that song? It was too long. Too long? Okay. We decided then to go with Heavenly Bank Account, which is from 1981's You Are What You Is. Now, again, it might offend somebody, but it shouldn't. Why shouldn't
3: it? What's he talking about in the song? In this song here, he's not so much uh, criticizing. I mean, Frank likes to criticize everybody. That's what he does. Any human behavior, he'll find some stupidity in it and point it out. That's what he's done for he's everything. Equal opportunity of favor. Absolutely. And that's sure. what he claimed himself to be. In this case, though, he doesn't so much offend those of faith. He offends this sort of, I don't know, aberration in organized religion called televangelists. Right. Which I were don't care about that, it's not about those that are you know believing in the God. it's his televangelists who would go on and make tens of millions of dollars in the name of God oh, yeah, it was just this is yeah. uh, I will pray complete for you, monstrosity and that's pretty much what the song talks about is televangelists
0: and the year that it came out 81 do you think he has anyone specific in mind? What? Somebody in Baton Rouge by mm-hmm. any that chance? That might have been Don't a, you pick a
1: Jimmy. You no, leave Jimmy alone. I, 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 maybe
0: I wasn't talking yeah. about Jimmy. No, who you Jimmy talking was eighty-eight. Somebody else in Baton
3: Rouge, oh. but uh, yeah, you think it might have been Jimmy Swaggart, uh, but it, it, well, Swagger? But Swagger really—he got nailed in eighty-eight because that showed up a lot in Frank's eighty-eight tours, all sorts of songs about. Uh, Jimmy Swaggart and his various shenanigans. Yeah, but it, this probably wasn't him specifically. Well, this, I mean, when did was wasn't one of them that said you better give me money because God's going to take me home or something that like was that? Was Oral, Oral Roberts said so? This might have been Oral yeah, he Roberts. He also references Jim Baker, Jim Baker, right. Uh, Tammy,
1: Jerry Falwell, the, the 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 whole group of televangelists. Well, that's what I was talking about, Jimmy Baker. I don't know where you got your stuff. (laughs) I I was just trying to relate (laughs) it to a local audience. That's what I was trying to do.
0: That's what good radio people do. They also play the song when they're in trouble. Here's Frank Zappa, Heavenly Bank account in Rock School.
2: And if these words
3: you do not hear
0: As we end another broadcast day, let me say that you ain't got nothing, and
3: he's got it
0: all. Continuing to talk about religion here on the Rock School Radio Show as we do the third of our four lecture series. Let's do Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. And uh, normally, when you think religion and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, at least, you know, I say normally, when I do, I think I believe in Father Christmas which we play almost every year around christmas Christmas time here on the radio show Mm -hmm. and i see it on the on the internet i see people who are atheists saying this is one of the greatest atheist songs but that's not what we're going to play what uh, what did we bring
2: we've got jerusalem um which is an, an interesting piece it's it's based on the legend that was very popular in medieval england that when jesus was a boy he and joseph of arimathea visited glastonbury uh, which was home of the uh the tin trade with the 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 roman empire and uh it also uh relates to um, revelations 3 and 20 and 21 which talk about the the building of a new jerusalem so william blake uh in 1808 wrote this poem jerusalem uh, that starts off and did those feet in ancient times walk on, upon England's green and pleasant land, mm-hmm. uh, which was a, actually a preface to a poem he wrote about Milton. But in 1916, uh, a composer named Hubert Perry put it to music, and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, who were big on uh, taking classical music pieces and turning them into uh, rock anthems, did right. that with Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's one of their, their most effective, I think. Uh, they performed it live a lot. They put it out in 1973 on their album, Brain Salad Surgery, and I got to see them do it uh, that very year. Did you? Yes, I did. Wow. Any... Connection between the
0: Glastonbury concert and this this religion element that uh, that Jesus arrived in Glastonbury? Is that no, the, I don't think so. Don't think so. It's don't just like that, so. that's the
3: coincidence of the of the term. Yeah. It's just a big field there. Yeah, it's kind of like the Yasgur's Farm of England. Okay, uh,
0: so. that's that's twice I've tried to put something together and it's failed. Same, same as with, <laughs> you know a... the,
3: the Castle
2: Donnington festival. There's just a big field around the castle. Field.
0: Let's put a rock concert on here. Our Her mom can make the uh, the costumes. Here's Emerson. Palmer, Jerusalem on Rock School. First break here on Rock School as we have our alphabet soup of PhDs here in the uh, in the studio. We're talking about religion, and the three songs that we've played so far have all talked about God. Well, let's go to the other side of the religious question. Let's talk about the devil. Why are so many bands aligned with the devil, just to sort of thumb their nose
2: at uh, at religion or because it sells tickets, do you suppose? Well, I think it's, it's several things. One, you've, you've got that sort of mythical association between music and the devil that goes back at least to, to Robert Johnson supposedly oh. selling his soul to the devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to people like Willie Brown, who knew Robert Johnson, there's absolutely nothing to that story. Uh, like a lot of the other stories about Robert Johnson, Robert Johnson never believed he sold his soul to the devil. Right. But that's that's become part of the mythology, is that he was a so-so guitar player, went down to the crossroads, met mm-hmm. the devil, sold his soul. Uh, and It's just uh, flat out not true.
0: Well, he yeah. was an excellent guitarist from the get-go.
1: I heard some crackpot theorist talk about that one time. I don't remember his name, but... Me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what was huh? <laughs> Even before
0: that, Jelly Roll Morton in the early 1900s claimed he played the devil's music jazz he, yes he claimed it the devil's music
2: well and you know everything bad that's been said about rock and roll was said about jazz before that mm-hmm. um, sure it, it was it was the devil's music and all of that and uh you know a great great deal of music has been characterized that way and i think you know some bands have picked up on that as a way to to make money um As we were talking about during the break, uh, the way the band Earth became the band Black Sabbath is that Ozzy Osbourne and Tony Iommi were watching people line up to buy tickets to a horror movie and thought, hey, there's where the money is. Uh, They actually were, as they describe it, a hippie band, uh, more interested in peace and love than evil and the devil. Uh, And and Ozzy himself is, in fact, uh, this this comes as a great surprise to a lot of people, an Anglican. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, do these bands? Do you suppose these bands and these heavy metal bands that have
0: the the pentagrams, the upside down uh, stars, and such? And I, I've always I've always thought this: Do they really believe all of this, or is this their show? Are they just you and me until two hours before stage time, and then on goes the leather and the studs and the devil fingers and all of that? Would you even recognize these guys except for
3: the long hair if you saw them at a Denny's? Probably Gene not. Gene Simmons. Yeah. I mean, some maybe, but I think most aren't. And I think a lot of it's just—it's almost manufactured. But I mean, I mean, some I think maybe have those beliefs. I think there are certainly some atheistic bands out there, but I think for no the most part, it's just a big gimmick. It's, it's, it's business. show. it's business. It sells. And, Why do you think that yeah. on
1: the Guitar Hero video game, at the very end, you battle the devil playing "The Devil Went Down to Georgia"? <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously, yeah, you know. Know that's that, great. Yeah, that's one of the things that you do. That's the that's the the goal that you're trying to reach. You want to defeat Satan on the guitar
0: yeah I just don't I don't think it's you know just as just as I don't think Zappa cares to really offend. I don't think these bands care to really offend. I think they're out to sell records. and yeah. that's what that's what it is. But do they do you think the fans then associate themselves with the devil, or do the fans understand as well? Look, this
2: is a show. No, I don't think all fans do. Uh, I think the more sophisticated, intelligent fans get it. Uh, but you know, you know, there's
3: going to be naive people that that, that follow anything for the wrong reason. I and mean, uh, I think a lot of time with music, you don't even you just like the sound of it. You don't even listen to the words. Mm-hmm. And also, I listen to music where people say things I don't agree with and they offend me, but I still like the music. There's nothing wrong with listening to something that you might not agree with if it appeals to you on some level. That that can happen. I'm in that
1: same boat with you, Dr. Dan. A lot of times I'll be listening to a song and my wife will say, do you realize what they're saying? I really wasn't even
3: paying attention to it. I just like the beat Uh, and the melody. There's songs about drugs, which glorify drugs. I like the song, but I don't like the message, don't agree with it, don't live by it. Mm -hmm. It hasn't influenced me. If anything, it's maybe influenced me away from that, which can also happen when you hear things that don't rub you the right way.
0: Well, we're all parents well let me let me continue on with that discussion is there a point at which you're for censorship that because the song says something you disagree with that there is there comes a point in time where you can't be there so you think a censorship a level of censorship should come in do you think that point ever comes I think parents Ooh, that can a, no parents
3: can <laughs> at a certain age. I think it's appropriate for parents. I'd rather have parents do it than governments, but because um, I don't like legislating how to parent. Mm-hmm. But having said that, as a parent, I tend to um, think that I would, um, in terms of my kid being prepared to live in the real world, having an open mind which can process varied information is a much greater weapon than steering them away from ideas. So I would tend to advocate more letting them have the ideas. Allowing them to make choices on their own, allowing them to reason. I think reasoning is a very powerful tool. Yeah, I think
1: slowly exposing them to different yeah.
3: things. I mean, my son is six. And
1: trust me, I'm into everything that he's doing. I even confiscated one of his video games the other day because somebody put a song on there that I didn't think he should be listening to. At six years old, no, I'm going to be all up into your your grill. But as he gets a little bit older, I'm going to expose him to those things because I feel that it's my job to do so. He's going to learn them anyway, and I'd rather him learn them from me
2: than from his school. When my kids were little, uh, you know, there were certain television shows we didn't let them watch. certain songs that I didn't play when they were around because I, I didn't want them picking up the words. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you guarantee, you, uh, I think, Joe, you've had recent experience with this, that if you uh, <laughs> expose a child to profanity, yeah. they will immediately learn the word and use it inappropriately uh, in front of somebody you don't want them to. Yeah, but uh, as they got older, you know, I, I assumed that they had the discretion to know when and what to do. And to be quite honest with you, one of the best things I ever did was take them to rock concerts because they saw how people behaved that were impaired. And they came home (laughs) saying, why would
1: you want to be like that? There you oh, go. Agreed. Yeah. agreed. Rock music as education? Yes. What a concept. Absolutely.
0: So I so I shouldn't buy that leather vest and wrist stud combination for my son's birthday? No,
1: you really
0: should. Oh, I should? Okay. Just to get a nice picture. Sure. Hello, Radio uh, Universidad, Salamanca, Spain. Thanks for listening to the radio show. Hello,
1: K S C L in Shreveport, Louisiana. Thanks so much for being part of the Rock School Radio Network. That's true. Get it on Facebook. Search Rock School Radio
0: Show, and there will be and like us, you really like us. Back in a minute with more songs about religion right here on Rock
2: School.
0: All right, coming out of the first break. Man, did we talk a lot in the first break. <laughs> Here are the Rolling Stones. Just want to see his face. This is from Exile on Main Street back in 72. It's gospel. Explain to me why the Stones are doing gospel, Dan. Uh,
3: the same reason the Stones did blues and country and every other great American roots music. They're the band that I think embraced, a British band, of course, that embraced American music. And this song, when you hear it, it should be a cover, but it's not because it sounds like an old gospel song. It has this really haunting melody to it. and a. Uh, Jagger Jump. and Richards wrote this? That's their song. And uh, mix oh, saying. Oh, I'd have bet money this was a cover. It <laughs> just sounds so much like it. Uh, he says, I don't want to walk and talk about Jesus, just want to see his face. I mean, really, just something you'd expect to be heard, you know, in a in a cotton field singing. It's just so old. And uh, what's amazing about this is uh, one of our cohorts here, Bill Robinson, turned me on to a cover of this by the Blind Boys of Alabama, which is a no brilliant kidding. gospel solo band. And what are they doing? They're doing a cover of the Stones. And so I just hey. love the, uh, the uh, it just come full circle. You know, gospel influences Stones, and they go and they write this brilliant piece of music, and then they say, you know, we're going to do that too. And they do a great job of it. But we, I think, are playing the Stones version today.
0: Yeah, we are. It's beautiful. And and I, I tell you, I could have sworn it was a cover, because I've listened to Exile front to back a hundred times, mm-hmm. and I knew this was a cover. Stones, just want to see his face, right here at Rock School. Coming out of the Rolling Stones, bottom of the hour here on Rock School. Let's take a break from talking religion and religious songs. Let's introduce ourselves and do 7 Days in 70 Seconds. My name is Joe Burns. Bill Robinson. Chad P.
3: And Dan McCarthy.
0: All right, let's talk about these dates. June 25th all the way through July 1st. And something that happened on these dates, I believe, Bill
2: has. June 25th, go. June 25th, Michael Jackson collapsed at his rented mansion at 100 North Carol Wood Drive, L.A. and was pronounced dead at 225 later that day at
1: Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center. And that's just a couple of years ago. Yeah,
0: yeah can yep. you believe that? 2009. It's already been, it yeah,
1: yeah, two, three years. June 26, 1977, Elvis Presley's final
3: concert took place at Market Square Arena in Indianapolis. June 27, 2000, a San Francisco court ruled the Rolling Stones had improperly used Robert Johnson's Love in Vain and Stop Breaking Down. The Stones had argued, or at least the Stones' lawyers, that these songs were in the public
0: domain. June 28, 1986, Wham! gives their final concert at Wembley Stadium. Elton John makes an appearance in a clown suit and sings a song with them. He returns in normal clothing to join the group on their last song, Candle in the Wind. The townsuit seemed
2: see appropriate. June 29th, 2000, the graves of Ronnie Van Zant and Steve Gaines were vandalized. It is believed the vandals were attempting to prove a bet that the men were buried wearing Neil Young t shirts. That was
0: you, Joe, huh? Yeah, that was all No way. Not with a good southern mother. They were not buried in Neil Young shirts.
1: June 30th, 1977, Marvel Comics released the first
3: of two comics featuring Kiss, and they were printed with real Kiss blood. Mm. Year. July 1st, 1969, Sam Phillips sells Sun Record to Nashville mogul Shelby Singleton for an undisclosed sum. Well, oh, I'll bet the undisclosed yeah. sum was, was huge. Why wasn't it Lots of zeros and commas
0: it. and things like that. I'll tell you why he didn't disclose it because the amount of money he got for Elvis Presley, 30,000 I think it was, mm-hmm. was disclosed and he caught all kinds of heck for it. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to catch all kinds of heck a second time. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Vaughn, back into music. Love the World. Tell
2: me about Jimmy Vaughn's Love the World. Okay, Jimmy Vaughn is Stevie Ray Vaughn's older brother. Uh, This came out on the album Strange Pleasure in 1994, right after Stevie Ray's uh, unfortunate death. It's the same album that has six strings down on it. This song was written by Jimmy and uh, Dr. John, and it's essentially an exploration of John 316. Oh, okay, yeah, For God So Loved the World. Right. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I saw him open for Clapton when Clapton came through. God, he was good. He is. Now, that. I'm, I'm not supposed to say that he was as good or maybe better than Clapton, but he was as good or maybe better than Clapton. Wait, Stevie Ray or Jimmy? Uh, Jimmy. Really? Jimmy. Oh, what did he put Ooh. on a great show? He's oh, a Vaughn, man. It's in their blood. Man, was he good. Very Here is talented. Jimmy Vaughn. Love the world. Let's go. All right, one more song before the break, and uh, I specifically asked for this one before the show got underway because I remember when it came out. Monster hit, but upset a lot of people who are religious because what if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us? Oh,
2: yeah,
1: I remember that. That's this Joan, is Joan Osborne,
0: huh? Yeah, Joan Osborne, one of us. Tell us about the song.
2: Well, I think the interesting thing about the song, uh, n- number one, and I have to mention this, is that it was written by Eric Bazilian of of the Hooters, who, like uh, my colleague Dan McCarthy, has a degree in physics. Is he a plasma physicist? I don't think he's a plasma uh, physicist. I rolled. I, rolled. I know. <laughs> I know. It's on, it's on uh, Joan Osborne's 1995 album Relish. And I think the thing you've you got to think about here is that, um, you know, if you are a Christian and you believe in the idea of the incarnation of God – then God became one of us, yeah. uh, and and to me it's it's a very uh, moving song uh, in in the sense that it implies that Jesus would have experienced all the same emotions as human beings would have. Sure, uh, it's on it's on an album that also has a song about Saint Teresa on it, so it's it's not by any means a, an anti-religious song, but it also fits into you know. Um, a historical pattern of songs about religion being controversial. Yeah. When when Saint Ambrose and Gregory the Great started writing music, that was controversial. People said, "Oh no, you shouldn't do that." Uh, when uh, the Renaissance introduced polyphonic music, you know, with harmony, people said, "Oh no, that's too ornate. Absolutely. That you, you shouldn't do that." And pretty much every innovation. Uh, the song "Amazing Grace," which I won't done at my funeral, was controversial when it first came out sure. because it was written by a slaver. Uh, well, and know, it also
1: so, says, "Saved a wretch mm-hmm. like me."
2: Yeah, how dare you say those
1: things? I don't even know why me. they're getting all up in an uproar. Because if you if you believe in the three incarnations of Christ, you know that he's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When he was sent uh, to the earth in the form of a man, the Bible clearly states that he did experience human emotion. There's a verse in the Bible that says Jesus wept, which is at the death yep. of Lazarus, well, and a... he and he expressed anger at the at the right. Um, There's a verse in the Bible that said, in the shade.
0: Right. Here's Joan Osborne, one of us on Rockstar. Second break here on Rock School. We took the first break and we talked about the opposite side, the devil. Let's take this break and talk about the opposite side of the devil, God. Tom Waits, God's away on business. We're not going to be able to play it, but it's from 2002's Blood Money. And it was, of course, in one of my favorite documentaries, Enron, the smartest guys in the room. If you haven't seen it, it explains the Enron concern and how money was made and how people were just destroyed in it. What about Tom Waits' "God's Away
3: on Business"? Why should we be listening to it? Well, one reason you should listen to it is because there is a great video on YouTube with Cookie Monster singing this thing, and if you know Tom Waits' voice, it is a dead ringer for Cookie Monster. Oh, uh, sure. Uh, it's just—it's a fun song. It's really what the, what happens when something God's not here. What's happened? And he uh, talks about. The killers, thieves, and lawyers take over. And I love that idea of lawyers taking over when God's not around. But right. a very entertaining song, uh, witty, humorous, and um, also just makes you think a little bit.
0: And also, I, I think you find in music things that people are accepting of because it's in a song that they wouldn't be accepting of it was if it was being preached to them on a street corner. Think George Harrison. Would people listen to somebody on a street corner talking to them about Hare Krishna, talking to them about Vishnu. Would they listen to that? I don't know, but they listen to My Sweet Lord.
2: What do you think? Well, you used to have to listen to it in airports, but um, <laughs> right. that's that's sort of played out now. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think you have a point there though, is that, that, that music makes a lot of things much more susceptible, uh, or, or makes us much more susceptible to a lot of ideas. And one of the interesting things about that is the way he he blends little elements of different things. You know, the, the first round you, you get the, the, the hallelujahs from from Christian mm-hmm. hymns. Then you get uh, the Vedic chants from Hindu religion, and you get the Hare Krishna stuff thrown in there as well. Unfortunately for him, you also got the riff from the chiffons, He's So Fine, <laughs> right. which uh, ended up costing him a lot of money in court. But right. uh, that's that's, actually that's neither... It actually didn't. Oh, he, uh, oh, no. He ended up he ended up being able to
0: buy the uh, company that owned all all turned he right sure around. Did. There we go. Yeah. He, he <laughs> should have lost two-thirds of it, so said the judge, but he actually got turned around. So maybe it is. Just if you can put it to a catchy tune, it's easier to get it. Who's listening to us, Chad? WBSD in Burlington, Wisconsin. And all the fine people on the campus of uh, LSU at KLSU. Back in a minute. we got time for two more, and we got to do them quick right here on Rock School. Rock <laughs> School. Coming out of the second break, time for two more songs. We're going to play XTC, literally the letters, Ecstasy. This is Dear God. Andy Partridge, I think, wrote this one. Talk to me about this one. It is easily one of my favorite songs. I love this thing. I will play it when I'm looking on the iPod for something to play. This is usually where I land if I don't play a Steely Dan or a Van Halen
3: song. So tell me about XTC's Dear God. Um, this the band XTC. It's it's kind of unfortunate. They're a, a great band, but they weren't really known because they couldn't perform live because Andy Partridge had stage fright. So mm. they kind of cut their touring thing. But they have a great volume of recorded material, and this album Skylark, which was produced by Todd Rundgren, is one of their uh, masterpieces. And this song, um, Dear God, it's just it's about skepticism. They ask questions which you're not supposed to ask. Um, mm-hmm. So it's as great, um, but you're allowed to. That was, well, isn't I think the entire I, book of Job about you're allowed to ask questions. That's Yes, um, you, you are or allowed, to. You're allowed to say those things. Yeah. And I think faith and skepticism are natural uh, yin and yang, which happen with these things. And they raise a bunch of questions. And you, um, I think for those of the faith, it, it just uh, involves some soul searching, which will hopefully come up with a conclusion that would either reinforce their faith or maybe question it. But that's, it's a, as Joe said, beautiful song and uh, a very poignant one as well.
2: Well, and one that deals with the all-time great philosophical question, and that is the problem of evil. Why does evil exist?
3: Yeah, he yeah. It, it, it,
0: the the video, points it out. He's sitting in a tree all by himself. I I don't understand. It it basically is I don't understand this. What's going on?
3: Well, and it starts with the kids singing. It yeah, starts oh, right. with a, a young boy or girl. You can't really tell at that age. Just right. sort of singing and talks about that. And you know they ask the question, uh, did you make God or do we make you? Yeah. And it's just um, it's just it's thought provoking. It, it has
0: yes. the power to offend, but I think everybody, when it's just you know just them and the mirror. I think everyone's asked these questions. I do, at least. XTC, Dear God, Rock School. Dear God, hope you got the
3: letter and I pray.
0: Dear God. Last break here on the Religion Show on Rock School as part of the uh, lecture series. You have a minute to tell me about Los Lobos, The Neighborhood. Tell me about
2: okay. it. This is a song that it's it's essentially a prayer. Uh, it's, it's about a woman uh, living in a rough neighborhood, dealing with uh, a problematic husband, uh, violence, drugs and what have you, and uh, just praying, uh, thanking God for her existence and uh, asking for help and asking that he bring peace to the neighborhood uh los lobos of course comes from a pretty you know rough background Mm -hmm. and this is something that i suspect resonates with them a great deal uh it's a song that was written by david hidalgo and uh, louis perez and uh very much like a prayer but not like
1: madonna's like a
2: prayer (laughs) No, Uh, No, this is this is genuinely reverent
1: It's just a simple concept of thank you for everything that you've given me i'm in this situation i could use some help that's right. Very good. Yeah, Which is what prayers for? Let's give our names real quick. Joe Burns, Bill Robinson,
0: Chad P, Dan McCarthy. One more to go next week. What are we talking about? Science. Plasma oh yay! Education. Plasma physics. Absolutely. That's I'm right. taking lead on this one. We're <laughs> gonna
3: go from three serious subjects to a very non-serious subject. At least the songs be non-serious. <laughs> Fantastic. Here is Los Lobos. The words. Classes dismissed. Ready?